Dylan Gabriel is having a much better season than what we think he's having. The Oklahoma Sooners were included in a five-star defensive ends top five for the 2025 cycle. And Lincoln Riley can't stop talking about Oklahoma. All on today's episode of Locked On Sooner. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself with when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. Use promo code Locked On. That's J A S E medical.com. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on the KREF Sports app. Josh, we're going to start off with an article that Colin Kennedy put together over at Sooners Illustrated uh, and 247 Sports, just basically throwing out the premise that, hey, Dylan Gabriel's having a great start to the season. And I agree. He is. He's having a really good start. Now, granted, you preface uh, all of that, of course, with one of the games is Arkansas State and the other SMU. I mean, feel how you want to feel uh, about SMU. And really, Oklahoma offensively was sluggish in its last contest. But just statistically, individually, Dylan Gabriel is uh, completing an absurd 77% of his passes, actually closer to 78%, 484 passing yards, seven touchdowns, uh, total touchdowns, and zero turnovers so far. So really, all things considered, Picking up uh, from last season into uh, this one where, John, uh, as many complaints as we had on third downs, fourth downs, key moments, inaccuracies, which we've wanted to see cleaned up by Dylan Gabriel. One thing you really couldn't say is that he turned the football over a ton a year ago. So he's he's kept that component through a couple of games so far. He's taken care of the football. And then the accuracy, let's see what happens. I don't know that we get a ton of answers this week versus Tulsa but really we couldn't have asked for a much better start for for Gabriel individually you can have complaints about how the play calling went I think a week ago John but Gabriel individually so far has been well I think he's been a better quarterback for Oklahoma yeah he's done a great job I get that you know he's had a couple throws that you'd like to have back and he's had a couple maybe missed receivers as far as seeing that they're open but I come back to this all the time quarterbacks are are gonna miss open receivers if you watch saturdays or sundays or monday night football you're gonna see sometimes quarterbacks are gonna miss guys just because you don't know exactly when the quarterback looked that player's way in his progression you know take for instance the austin stogner thing they highlighted this on the broadcast Gabriel missing Austin Stogner running wide open down the field. He ends up going to another wide open receiver, which was Gavin Freeman who dropped the pass, but we don't know exactly at what point Gabriel got to that part of the field in his progression of the field. Stogner might've been third or fourth in the progression. And so he would, he might not have gotten to him at that point. That's just the way it goes. You're not always going to see everything on the field. I was thinking about this the other day when I was driving around, of how difficult it must be 
to have a pass rush coming at you, an offensive line that's kind of surrounding you as you're dropping back to pass and your vision. I mean, my peripheral vision is terrible since I put on glasses. You put on a football helmet, your peripheral vision is going to be a little bit messed up as well. Now, yes, he's a college football quarterback. He's going to have different standards, especially being at Oklahoma. But I was just thinking about in general, just the idea of playing quarterback at any level seems crazy because of everything that's going on all around you. And then you have to diagnose the defense and then get the ball out on time, all under two and a half seconds before you get sacked and make the right decision. So I'm not sitting here to, to, to downplay, you know, some of the mental errors or miscues that maybe Dylan Gabriel has had at times, just kind of bring back into the reality, like what it takes to play quarterback at any level. It's pretty insane. And Dylan Gabriel does it pretty well. I mean, you think about 133 FBS quarterbacks. How many would you take over Dylan Gabriel? I mean, if he's a top 15 quarterback in football, that's pretty good. You know, out of 133 teams, you've got one of the 15 best quarterbacks. I'd say you're doing pretty good. Now, is he Caleb Williams? No. Is he Drake May? Is he May? I mean, I don't know. He's playing good football. He's playing good football because he's not playing Heisman level football. We want to think, okay, maybe he's not as good as he is, but I think he's pretty good. And even on Saturday against SMU, he still completed 70% of his passes. That's pretty good. One of the areas, Josh, that everybody's talking about where he's struggled over the middle of the field. I mean, he is right now completing. Where is it at? Sorry, I don't have it right. I got to do the math real quick. He's only missed on five out of 22 attempts. So he's 17 of 22 for people that want to do the math. That's going to be a pretty good completion percentage. And I'm going to try and do the math as I talk real quick. Didn't have it ready for you. That's 77% from zero to 20 plus yards down the field. He's 17 of 22. That's what you want to see out of your quarterback improvement in that area. I think Dylan Gabriel is having a great season. I think he's going to continue this, this pretty strong trajectory the rest of the way. Yeah, that's sort of remarkable because that means his percentage there is the same percentage he has overall across the board. So that's that's kind of a, sort of an amazing uh, number so far. But obviously, it's going to get more difficult. It should uh, should be a week for him versus Tulsa, though, to where Tulsa's in that bottom third nationally and uh, right toward the back of the cafeteria line in the way that they defend the pass. So Dylan Gabriel's off to a fast start. He's taking care of the football. And this is another week for him and for OU where they can really break in this, this new collection of wide receivers. Yeah, a couple of familiar faces in Stoops, in Farouk, and then familiar faces that were here last year, but you know, weren't those you know, top contributors for Oklahoma. So this is a good week for Gabriel to stay in the groove, to continue to stockpile in the statistical categories. But more importantly than that, bring this wide receiver group along. Maybe Austin Stockner, who uh, you had a chance on. And instead, I guess that play found Gavin Freeman, who was equally uh, open as well. But uh, a chance to get a Stockner involved, a Smith involved. So just to get these, these weapons going around him. But yeah, it's been it's been a nice start for Dylan Gabriel this season. Again, the level of competition it's about to ramp up once you get beyond Tulsa. 
But you play who you play who you play so far. And so far, Dylan Gabriel, I do think John has looked more comfortable in what Oklahoma is doing. Obviously, the statistical numbers are what the statistical numbers are. They're, they're pretty solid so far. But I just think the way he's commanding things for Oklahoma has been impressive. So while Oklahoma fans pine for, and understandably so, Heisman caliber play, I'm not ready to say that Dylan Gabriel is going to be a Heisman finalist. But, you know, statistically, if he, he keeps on that pace, he's probably going to be around that portion of the conversation. But Oklahoma's getting good quarterback play, right? And so that's that's one nice little puzzle piece for Oklahoma so far this season. And the biggest point to bringing Brent Venables back was so that you didn't have to have Heisman-level quarterback play every single week. That you could win with good to pretty good to great quarterback play. It didn't have to be interstellar like it didn't have to be elite of the elite quarterback play in order to win football games and so i think it's okay and the most important thing in all of this is dylan gabriel's taking care of the football he's not throwing it into danger and while that might frustrate us sometimes that he's not taking shots he's protecting the ball he's living to fight another day letting the defense make a play it's okay Let, we gotta just kind of reframe our 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 worldview about what quarterback play should look like some of it, yeah, you want your quarterback to go out there and make a play 100%, and he might have some, he's going to have some turnovers this year. It's inevitable. But you don't want him doing like Spencer Rattler did and just turning it over at will back in the 2021 season because you didn't have a defense that could bail you out. Well, Oklahoma's building a defense in order to bail out the quarterback when he does turn the ball over, and that's a good thing. Josh, we got more to talk about. We got a five-star edge that included the Oklahoma Sooners in his top five. But are they going to be likely to land that? We'll talk about that. And my goodness, Lincoln Riley. That's all I have to say for now. Stay tuned. We'll talk more about that later on in the show. But first, let's talk to you about our friends over at Jace Medical. What's more important than your individual health? And probably what's more important to you nothing right than your loved one's health. You, you don't want to take any chances on that and you don't want to be caught unprepared. Everybody, you should feel empowered. You should be empowered to care for yourself and for your loved ones when unexpected arrives. Unfortunately, that's a, a factor in life that unexpected sometimes does arrive And Jace medical will have you prepared for the unexpected if indeed it does arrive, the Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. And all it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form. And in some cases, just jump on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians. And you can get uh, ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor-created, doctor-recommended. That is Jace Medical. Dot com. Use our promo code locked on for $20 off today. Get that Jace case. Get that Jace case today and get those five life saving antibiotics in case emergency arrives. JaceMedical.com. The uh, Sooners off to a nice start uh, in 2025. And might there be more good news along the way? Which, oh, by the way, all of our recruiting. Uh, coverage right here on Locked On Sooners, your team every single day. It's brought to us by LinkedIn Jobs. Check them out where you can post your job for free. LinkedIn.com backslash Locked On College. Uh, another five-star edge, uh, superstar type talent on the way, perhaps up front for Oklahoma, John? 
Yeah, so the Oklahoma Sooners landed in the top five for Armando Blount out of Miami, Florida. Uh, this kid is a a beast. That's the best way I can describe it right now. Uh, he has a billion power five offers from basically everybody that's everybody. He's a legit top five prospect right now in the 2025 cycle. He's either the number one player at his position or the number two player at his position. And 247 Sports has the lowest rank on him and at number six. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's the number one player in the state of Florida, which that tells you a lot right there. If you're the number one player in either the state of Florida, the state of Texas, the state of California, you could throw Ohio into the mix. You're a pretty good ball player. And Armando Blount is a really, really good ball player for Miami central. Uh, this past weekend, he had six sacks. Yes. Six sacks. An impressive, impressive performance. Uh, but the Oklahoma Sooners are in the top five along with Florida state and Miami and Ohio State and USC. So really, really interesting. Uh, Florida State and Miami, to me, just based on the visit history and the timeline, he looks maybe leaning towards those two. And if not leaning, then those two have kind of been able to get out in front in the recruitment because they've been able to have him on campus a little bit more regular, regularly with some unofficial visits. Uh, I think he attended Florida State's camp. So they, they're well positioned. So Oklahoma, Ohio State, USC will probably have to go the extra mile in order to pull him out of out of South Beach. Yeah, obviously they've got the home state advantage. And oh, by the way, I mean, let's see how the rest of this year plays out in the uh, in the ACC, particularly for Miami. Nice win over Texas A&M. It's A&M. So let's be patient in that regard. But that was a really big win for Miami. So the bottom line is they're on an uptick, at least from, you know, where we sit right here, September 13th, September 14th, early in this uh, 2023 college football season. I feel pretty confident, pretty safe in saying that Florida state's going to be a national factor throughout the entirety of this season. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, Norvell's got them uh, humming a little bit and uh, you know, with what Travis is doing, that's an exciting program. So you got the in-state component there in each of those two programs. Let's just, call the spade a spade they're playing good football right now now uh, one thing i kind of like in this top five for oklahoma is okay you've got uh, two other powerful blue blood programs in ohio state in usc but uh i don't see any other sec schools in this top five for uh for oklahoma for armando blunt so if oklahoma can play up that sec angle a little bit here defensive line prospect the best defensive players in America typically in the trenches are coming from the Southeastern conference. So I like that piece of the puzzle for OU, even though obviously there's some heavy hitters in here and a couple of heavy hitters from home, John. Yeah. It's intriguing to say the least. It's still really, really early in a recruitment that could go to the early signing period to national signing day. When you're a top five prospect, the number one or two player at your position, there's a good chance this recruitment will linger on, but Oklahoma's already off to a great start in the 2025 cycle. They've got five prospects committed in the class way ahead of the 2023 and 2024 schedule uh, right now sitting at number three in the two, four, seven sports team recruiting rankings. Uh, we'll see, you know, they're, they're going to continue to build great classes. I mean, it, it's, 
it's interesting because not only were they kind of trending at one point for Isaiah Mose, the Lee Summit North four-star wide receiver prospect. Well, now they've offered a five-star wide receiver prospect out of Mississippi. This is Caleb Cunningham. The Caleb Cunningham is the number 17 overall player in the 247 sports rankings, 11 in the 247 sports composite, and the number three player in the at the wide receiver position. And, and that's one of those that, you know, Oklahoma's gonna gonna provide an intriguing recruiting battle for anybody that's also in on Caleb Cunningham because Emmett Jones, I mean, he's shown that he's a really, really, really good recruiter. And if they're gonna be able to pull a five star, it's gonna take a really strong recruitment by Emmett Jones and the staff. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, fun to watch how this 2025 class comes together. As you pointed out, it's already off to a sensational start. The three wide receivers they've got in it, Jaden Nickens, who looks like he's going to be a star wide receiver, Adam Millwood, you know, basketball player, football player as well, and obviously four-star uh, wide receiver, big six-foot-three, so big-bodied wide receiver, Elijah Thomas, Grayson Harris already in this class. We've talked about uh, – actually, Sperry, right, was the uh, first commit out of either the 24 24- – or uh, or twenty five class kind of a kind of a wild thing there. Love him at the quarterback position, and then of course Kamari Moore. We'll see what happens to close this twenty four class. But you know, looking at what Oklahoma's done, maybe there's a surprise left in twenty four, right? That could vault Oklahoma up into that top five. But right now, feels like Oklahoma probably going to f- safely finish inside the top ten. Maybe not quite to the heights of the year before in 23, this 25 class, John, the way it's tracking though, I think could wind up more in that 2023 territory, just given the start that it's off to. And I say that about the 2024 class, maybe being a little bit off that pace with the understanding that, okay, what they've done along the defensive line, potentially, uh, you know, commits turning into signatures in this 24 class, John, ultimately, that's what Oklahoma was looking for is to, to get stone and uh, on and on and on the Jaden Jackson's Gilmore's of the world up and up and down Nigel Smith. I mean, they've done a really good job where they needed to get better in the 24 class. And yet, you know, if you're looking at the, the overall team ranking, this 25 class, I think is tracking early to, to kind of be in that 23 territory. Well, a lot, a lot matters or a lot of that comes down to having potentially a five-star quarterback. And I think that's where Kevin Sperry ends up when it's all said and done is as a five-star because he's got every bit the tools that your top quarterbacks in any recruiting class have. He's got a great deep ball. He's able to run the ball. He, he throws to all levels, throws to every part of the field. I mean, I don't, I don't know why he's not yet a five-star, but I think by the time it's all said and done, he'll be right up there unless he just chooses not to go to camps you know and and stay home and and just work on his craft at home we'll see how that all transpires but yeah oklahoma's off to a great start in 2025 let's see if they can pull an armando blount uh and and pull that recruitment out of south beach that'll be really fascinating to follow last thing we're going to talk about here after the break is what lincoln riley had to say in the latest tell-all about the way his transition transpired from the uh, oklahoma Sooners to the usc trojans but first Talks about our friends over at Game Time. If you're looking for tickets, now is a great time to go to the Game Time app, download it, use our promo code Locked On College, get twenty dollars off your first purchase. There's a lot of great seats left for Oklahoma versus Tulsa, and browsing through the Game Time app is easy to use. It's quick. 
you can put in whatever you're looking for, whether it's Oklahoma football, concert tickets. They've got great last-minute deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. So go to Game Time, download the app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, Josh. Apparently, offensive play callers this week want to create a little drama. Uh, Lincoln Riley is the latest. Uh, he had a sit doll sit down interview uh, with one. You've got the name. I don't because I forgot it. Graham Bensinger. Bensinger. Thank you. Um, and there was a lot that came out of that. And I don't know which direction you want to go with this, but I, I don't want to sit here and say his family overreacted or there, you know, there was no reason to feel unsafe. I'm not going to sit there and say they aren't right for feeling the way they felt. Whatever was going on, we weren't at the house, but based on everything that transpired on social media afterwards and all the vitriol that was coming out, if they were a little on edge and nervous about their living situation, I'm not going to sit here and tell them they're, they're wrong for that or that that didn't exist or whatever was going on didn't happen. Um, but I will start with, sorry, not but, and I feel like a lot of the other things that Lincoln Riley talked about in that interview were just crap, man. This looks like a guy that cares way too much about what people think about him. This looks like a guy that cares way too much about what Oklahoma fans think about him and is still trying to find this, this, you know, room back in the family, back into everybody's good graces. I mean, he's done interviews like this, like four or five times since he's left with every major publication nationally. I don't know why just trying to, you know, just get favor with everybody. But then I, I sit and think like, did Brian Kelly care what Notre Dame thought when he left or what the national observers thought when he left? No. Did Mario Cristobal, care what Oregon duck fans thought when he left for Miami or what the national, you know, writers thought. No, he didn't care. Did Nick Saban care when he, you know, left, you know, left LSU after winning a national title and went to the NFL and then came back and went to Alabama. No, he didn't care. I mean, these guys, the reason they're so successful, Jimbo Fisher, that's another one. Did Jimbo Fisher care what Florida state fans thought? Maybe but he's not sitting there doing tell-alls about what Florida State fans had to say about him. No, he's just going off to coach Texas A&M. Rather averagely, but he's going off to coach Texas A&M. Lincoln Riley needs to get over whatever transpired. He needs to move on himself. People always want to talk about Oklahoma fans needing to move on from what happened when Lincoln Riley left. Yeah, but we can't move on until that dude stops talking about Oklahoma. No, I'm with you. It's uh, it's time for all parties to just 
move on. And I think Oklahoma fans have. So I'm going to have Oklahoma fans back on that. Yeah, yeah, there's some tweeting here and there and some social media fun and this and that. Oklahoma fans have moved on. It's the Brent Venables era. It's year two. OU fans are, generally speaking, sure, they want to see wins and losses. And, you know, we're opening tonight with Dylan Gabriel's, you know, done some nice things but obviously there's questions from the fan base there okay i get it there's spots of this football team that there's still criticisms or questions about ultimately we just want to see oklahoma go win football games and are confident that even if that doesn't happen right here in the right now for oklahoma and probably a lot of fans pretty confident that's going to happen too but even if it doesn't long term because of what's going on in recruiting and uh, the way oklahoma's landed some big time defensive line targets OU fans, it's over. They've moved on. That's that's history. It's in the past. But this is very Kevin Durant-ish here with Lincoln Riley to where it's like every turn you go, there's another interview for some reason. There's another hit piece. There's another sit-down with Graham Bensinger. And I, you know, why? Why is this still a discussion topic for Lincoln Riley? I would echo what you said off the top, which is, I think everybody that's sensible about this understands that you you care about people's safety, right? I mean, if Lincoln and his family were in an unsafe situation, people are sensitive to that. But I think there's a lot of people that don't necessarily believe that maybe that matches up with how whatever was actually going on in reality. The other parts of it, talking about the exit and just uh, you know some of the other pieces – why is he talking about these things with OU? Really, any of it? I mean, why? Why is he talking about his house and, and being safe or unsafe? Just tell Graham that I'm done talking about it. I've moved on. Yeah. Again, it just to me, he's one either just trying to negatively recruit Oklahoma and just try to say bad things about Oklahoma because we're beating his tail on the recruiting trail right now. Two, just trying to make himself look better in the public eye or gain sympathy. Three. I don't know if I have a three, but I've got one. Like I needed to have a three. I've but got you know, one. I, I think, you know, regardless of what actually transpired at his house, his family didn't feel safe. And that like, that's that, that is what it is. Whether somebody was actually trying to break in or not, they, they may not have felt safe, but I don't think that is the biggest part of all of this, even though it's being made to be the biggest part of all of it. I think the, the biggest part is, sitting there trying to act like you told players to stay sitting there, act like acting like part of this roster is because of you and is, is only here because of you. Um, try, sitting there trying to act like, you know, you, you're, con, you're having some contrition about the way you left. You feel like you should have done things better. You feel like you shouldn't have said things back on social media or talked about certain things in these tell-all interviews, and then you're sitting there doing it again. Move on. You've got a Heisman-winning quarterback, a potential national title contender. Just focus on USC. Build up your program. You've got a lot of work to do still to get that defense to a point where you're going to be able to sit and go and contend with the Georgia Bulldogs and the Michigan Wolverines. Focus on yourself. Oklahoma fans were sitting there minding their own business on a Wednesday, thinking about Tulsa, Harkin, I was listening to K ref all morning as I was going up to Tulsa, taking care of some business. And, you know, you know, you and Chris Plank are sitting there kind of reminiscing about Kevin Wilson. And then, 
you know, I'm listening to Steely and Thune talking about some old, you know, uh, cotton bowl memories from the Red River rivalry. Like everybody's just having a good, relaxing day, chilling, no big deal. And then this, this Pete, you know, this interview comes out with Graham Belsinger and you're like, thank you. Fine. You just ruined my Wednesday. Now all we got to do is think about this all day. And again, everybody's moved on. We're focusing on what's happening here, but then you, you throw some stuff out there about Oklahoma that is going to make Oklahoma look bad. When you talk, when you say something like my family didn't feel safe in our house, in our neighborhood, that's immediately going to make people feel like you're talking about them, their town, their state and get defensive. It's just the way it's the way of the world we're, especially in Oklahoma, we are a collective that cares about each other and wants our state to look good, which is some of the frustration with some of the other things happening in our state. But yeah, I, I just, we were minding our, our own business, getting ready to go three and zero against Tulsa and Lincoln Riley had to spot off again about Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it is a little peculiar. It, uh, makes me think two other things potentially a would be yes negatively recruiting oklahoma or pushing back against some negative recruitment that he's facing which is you tried to pluck the roster i mean who knows how people nationally feel about that but b and i think more more plausible to me is he's not over the breakup i think that he had some relationships that he felt pretty strongly about and the way that this whole thing has played out over time, like him sitting there saying he knew it was going to be is this bad and this bad and this bad. I don't think he knew it was going to be this bad. I think that's a little bit of a coping mechanism. No. And there's one more comment and we'll touch on this real briefly before we get out of here. It's, and I, I shared it on locked on Sooners Twitter account. And it's where he talks about, I told the people closest to me that night that it was going to be like this. And then a little bit later, as he's talking, talks about making the decision the next morning. And that's where it, it kind of comes back to the LA Times report that his representatives had been in negotiations with USC for months before he actually made the decision. To me, this just kind of helps support that part of the conversation that he was looking for the way out, a little bit checked out when he was jet setting somewhere. I think it was during the Baylor week or the bye week. It was probably go to USC to continue to negotiate things. He had had his main mind made up when he got done with Bedlam and was leaving Stillwater and heading back to Norman. His mind was made up. He was already gone probably even before you got to, to Stillwater that evening. And that's the part I think that I'll, I'll always have a hard time with is you didn't give your best effort for the team you were coaching because you were distracted by coaching another team. You cannot serve two masters. Either you'll love the one and you'll hate the other, or you'll hate the first and you'll love the other. And he did not give his best effort to that Oklahoma squad in 2021. That could have been a college football playoff contender. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the very least, it's pretty obvious that the, the mind was made up the night before, right? It wasn't a surprise, wake up and, and make it the next morning. But we, I mean, anybody with a, any any lick of common sense would have known that you don't make that magnitude of a decision 
typically, right? I mean, you gotta be crazy to make that magnitude of <laughs> decision with that, that type of uh, impulse to it. So I don't think anybody ever bought that, but again, the, the, the moral of the story is this. It's stupid that you and I have to sit here and go back and forth about this. It's time for you and I, and, and, and we are right. He's the one that brought this into the news cycle. We don't want to talk about this. We want to talk about Oklahoma football, not Lincoln Riley and how that it's two years ago. Everybody has moved on. And I'm now campaigning on this program. No more Lincoln Riley. I'm done with it. I don't care what he says in the media going forward. We're not, we're not doing this little dance with Lincoln Riley anymore. It's over. Stop using us for cloud. Until he loses to Oregon, then we'll talk about Lincoln Riley. Uh, or when he goes to the NFL and has his next tell-all and drops Oklahoma into the conversation. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Uh, follow Josh on Twitter, at Josh on Ref. I'm at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on every platform and on YouTube. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Uh, we'll have more. We'll get you ready for this weekend with some Tulsa talk, our who you got segment of the week, where we pick games against the spread, uh, Oklahoma's and whatever the big games are in the big 12 and around the country. Uh, but until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams, Boomer Sooner.